Pain Train Productions presents Arch Rivals Football Season 2. Your starting lineup, Ricky Litwickowicz, Alex Aldape, Todd Rosenfeld, and Nicholas Russell. Enjoy the show. Welcome everybody. It's fucking season two. Yeah. Yeah, boy. We have a brand new cast this year. Well, for this season, actually. Uh, in the upper left-hand corner, we'll introduce the newbie, the big, the, the big bear himself, <laughs> Nicholas Russell. Yeah, what's happening, everybody? Yeah, I'm so excited to get this going. And let it be known that I'm at work. This is how dedicated I am. I'm at work. Took my break. This is how we doing it right here. Yeah. And we also have returning. And he was last season in the fill-in role, but this time he has been drafted into the to, to <laughs> the, the, the main roster. <laughs> Todd Rosenfeld. What up, peoples? Here we go. Whoever's watching, please share the show. This season, obviously, uh, graphic-wise, we have just maxed out. We've done a lot more. Uh, we've added a whole bunch of stuff. Why that screen showed up, yeah, I have I no think, idea. Uh, but as you can see, the newer logo, the Arch Rivals 2 logo is in the middle. Uh, my, our, our normal guy, our normal guy, Mr. Alex Aldappi, is currently house hunting in Phoenix. So he's not available this week. He hopefully will be back next week in order for us to uh, have the, the four-headed dragon and my travel. Yes. Well, in, in technicalities, um, the, the arch rivals thing has upgraded a little bit because I have a rivalry with the Chiefs. I'm a Patriots fan. Yeah. You have a rival with Alex because it's Oakland and Kansas City in the AFC the West. Rivals. Yep. Okay. And technically, Nicholas has a rivalry with Alex because they played each other in the Super Bowl, the Chucky era. I love to say So, technically, there is a rivalry there, too. And it's great. I love having rivalries on this show. Everything cool over there, Nick? Hey, whole time, I can't hear you guys right now. I can't hear you. Uh-oh. Don't tell me we had the, the trademark moment again. Do you hear us? No, nah, I still can't hear you. You kind of like cutting in and out. No, nah, I can't hear you. All right, I'll I'll reconnect you, and in the meantime, um, we'll try to figure the whole thing out. Just hang with it for like two seconds. You can't. No, I, I, I know he him. can't hear us. And I didn't um, hear him speaking. Uh, just message him and tell him uh, we'll yeah. reconnect it. I got you. Uh, in the meantime, uh, we do uh, welcome back everybody who's who's watching. Uh, Sean Matrice here. Nate Treats here. Eddie Guerrero's here. Um. Eddie, I thought we went over that last week, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're is usually fucking. Um, that's gonna just give us another issue. Uh, again, I uh, Nick, can you hear us now? Can you hear me now? Okay. Say something else again. Can you hear us now? Yeah, that's better. Okay, good, right, cool. Kind of lost it there a little bit. Um, so a little technical malfunction. There's always a fuck. There's always a malfunction. You want to know why there's a malfunction? 
because this is being sponsored by this being produced by Page Raid Productions. Where never, sh- never do does any show ever have a malfunction. Although I can't say that for Pipe Bomb as of late because there hasn't been malfunctions there. All right, so basically our first article for the evening um, is a controversial one, and this kind of stems from last year. And I, I got to tell you, it is a rough article. Why did that disappear? Did you hit the right arrow? I think. Uh, I'll just close it out and reopen it again. Um, it stems with actually Todd's team, uh, yep. the Kansas City Chiefs, and it's about Tyreek Hill. And his son getting his arm broken. Yes. So, basically, uh, yeah, I mean, it's been it's been a pretty much one of those articles where, uh, again, I mean, Todd, you obviously know more of it than anybody else because that's your, your area. I'm personally <laughs> extremely shocked by the Chiefs on this one, by the Chiefs organization on this one. Pretty much what they're doing is laying back and saying since he wasn't actually charged and the NFL is even taking the same position, since he wasn't charged, there's going to be no repercussions. And the only reason he wasn't charged is because nobody is talking. His um, wife or fiance, wherever she is, is not talking. Nobody will talk to the cops. So there's no charges being filed. They think something happened. They can't prove who it was. And that's where everybody's leaving it. But I'm so shocked and cute because they've always been nothing but a classy organization where they cut time with Kareem Hunt before there was anything really out there. You know, the, the news story had just broke last year that I forgot what, exactly what happened with him. But um, the news story broke that he did something really fucked up. And they cut ties with him right away. They didn't wait for a decision to come down from anybody else. They cut ties. I'm shocked that they didn't do this with Tyreek Hill. And I think for the first time that in my lifetime I could see from the team, they did it for a purely football reason. And I can't think of any other reason why they took this position, because they've been nothing but a classy organization that's always put their morals above their football. Well, we're still having chilly technically having audio issues. Um, Nick, what's your, uh, what's your opinion on this whole thing? If you can hear us. He kind of got switched again. I think it might be his internet connection. Um, not sure. He's trying to relocate, so we'll have technical issues on that. Um, in the meantime, uh, I'm sorry to say that maybe the NFL, on some standards, uh, kind of let this one go a little bit. I'm not, again, I'm not playing no favorites toward any players, but uh, there has been a laundry list of guys who have gone through this ringer, so to speak. Um, Adrian Peterson got into some trouble, not a lot. Um, they let him slide on him, supposedly hitting his kid with a fucking stick, a twig, or a branch, or whatever. Um, I'm not sure if... A lot different than the kid's arm being broken. Yeah, and, but... And also Tyreek Hill has been known, to, even his fiance said in the past, when he had domestic violence abuse brought against him, that he was a volatile person. And he's on audio saying some really fucked up shit. Like... Well, then also, I mean, the, the, the crimes thing has always been, I, I put that kind of in quotation marks, the crimes thing, uh, more the fact being that Ray Rice, who had a domestic argument with his girlfriend, fiance, whatever. And punched her out in the freaking elevator? Yeah, but I mean, I mean <laughs> and there was he video got evidence. fucking, he got killed off big time. He deserved it. He just he punched decked his girl in the fucking in, in the elevator and knocked her out and I think dragged her out if I remember correctly of the elevator. Come on, that guy never deserved to set foot on a football field again. But then again, if you also look at it now, his former teammate, running back Kareem Hunt, 
had an incident with girls in the fucking hallway of a hotel. And look what the chief did. And he got suspended. He got released. And the NFL did fine him and, and suspend him for a four-game suspension. But the violence thing in the NFL, is it now the, the, the pick-and-choose deal? Like, are we going to really yeah, sit here and find, kind of define where that's going? Because like, the NFL doesn't need to have the person be charged with criminal charges for them to take disciplinary action. They don't need that. And from the outside looking in, obviously we don't have all the details that they have. It looks like he did some fucked up shit. Maybe he did or somebody did where that kid's arm got fucking broken and nothing is being done. Yeah, he came out in the media, or was it yesterday or the day before, saying, oh, I'm sorry about my words and all that stuff, that he, you know, where he was popping off at the mouth and that, um, that he, he can't speak on the other stuff. So it's, it's completely, I'm very shocked by it as a Chiefs fan and by the Chiefs organization that they didn't step up and do something they didn't get rid of him. If you, I think they made a football move. I think they made a football move. Is it possibly the fact being now? Again, I, I kind of, I kind of see this in a different way. Um, is it possible is for the fact being that the Chiefs would not be anything better without him? That they kind of made the judgment call to keep the team high flying in like a way I, that like, oh, I can't hear you guys. This is something my Chiefs don't normally do. They usually make a moral decision. Okay, okay. Now, now did we get Nicholas back? Is the question. I, I think they I made hear it. him. Do you hear us, Nick? Nah, hey, you guys are breaking in and out too. Uh, okay, we so hear you. Probably, it's probably on our end. Um, yeah, this is the, the kind of the weird situation. Uh, Actually, you know what? I will uh, just try something in the meantime. Um, yeah, I, 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 we can hear him, though. Yeah, I hear him fine. I know. Um, the Chiefs have never... I've never seen them make a football decision like that over a moral decision. I've never seen them do it. And it's, it's very surprising and shocking to me that they went about this in this way. Like, something fucked up happened there, and something happened to a three-year-old kid where he got his freaking arm broken. And... It really looks like Tyreek Hill had something to do with it. As much as I think the guy is a great asset to the team, he's a fucking cheater, you know, throw the fucking peace sign up all you want. But they should be piecing him out for what he, you know, for what he's involved in there. All right, Nick, I know you're probably having a hard time hearing us, but if you can, uh, give us the outlook on your uh, thing with the Tyreek Hill situation. Just go for it. Yeah, I don't I'm know. not worried about it. Uh, he's not hearing us at all. Yeah, you I know. Can see I'm just going to take it through here. Face. It's I don't even know how to spell his name. Spell his name. <laughs> Fucking great. I, I we'll just we'll have to communicate that way in the meantime. I'm going to work on something here in the meantime. Oh, give my opinion. Okay. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm not gonna lie to you. I I was kind of shocked when you know the NFL decided not to suspend him. You know. Um, uh, personally, I think I think some suspension should have loomed. I mean, this is not the first time that this has happened. We're talking about a guy who in the past has had history of beating his wife or his women or whatever the case may be. And for as petty as the NFL has been, you know, we're talking about the same NFL that suspended Zeke, you know, just for being in an area and not necessarily doing it. I'm surprised that Tyreek Hill more or less got off and didn't get suspended. I mean, I think that, uh, Personally, I think um, 
that uh uh you know the Chiefs benefit from it, but I think the NFL just looks sketchy, you know, with with everything that happened. So I I think Tyreek Hill kind of got off uh big time. What's your what's your, what's your take on the Chiefs on how they played that? Because usually, as I've always seen as a Chiefs fan, they've always been morally right, and they haven't gone with the football decision. Here, it looks like they went with the football decision, not to cut ties with Hill, and through the morals to the wayside for the first time ever. Oh, snap. What do we do? Yeah, I, I agree. I agree 100%. You know, um, I, I thought the Chiefs more, I, you know, it, it's crazy because they released Kareem Hunt, you know, after what he did. Exactly. And I'm with you. I feel like they kind of made the football decision on this one because they know how important Tyreek Hill really is to Patrick Mahomes and to the success that he had last year. So I, I'm with you on that. I feel like that maybe they were like, well, you know, we really can't afford to lose him. That's our speed guy. You know, that's the guy that Patrick Mahomes gets out of trouble. Whereas Kareem Hunt is like, well, if you get if you get one running back, we can get them all. So I do agree with you that they definitely made the football move on this one instead of making the moral move like they did with Kareem Hunt. Exactly. I, I think how these two situations parody each other and that they didn't make the same the same decision is very odd. It's just, it doesn't stay with the, with the cheese and the way they normally go about things. Well, we do have a comment in the chat that says, because uh, Casey traded in their morals and soul for a shot at the Lombardi. If that was the case, they would have kept Kareem Hunt. That's true. That, that is true. But you know what? I in a way with Hunt that it's kind of like a mid-season black eye. If you turn around and say, "Hey, you know what? Maybe we really should keep him and just deal with all the consequences later," they were like, "You know what? And just to get this fucking problem out of the way, we're gonna just let him go. Let him deal whatever consequences he is that are there." Hope, hope that no other team goes, goes and decides, hey, you know, you know what, there's a very good possibility that we could just scoop, scoop, him, scoop him back up later and deal with it again, again then later, but, but that, that obviously didn't work out for them. Listen, as a right. I would love to have Kareem Hunt on my team with the four-game suspension. He's a dynamic running back. I, it's just the Chiefs made the moral decision with Kareem Hunt and made the football decision with Tyreek Hill. It just makes no sense. It makes no sense. They've always been a classy organization, and I think they played this one way wrong. I agree. I agree 100% with you on that one. It's, it's echoing. Yeah, it's, I, I can hear it. That's why I take the headphones off. It's going to be a weird, really weird episode. <laughs> yeah. Anybody else in the chat anything out of the way on this? Because, I mean, I'm a Chiefs fan, so I'm in the middle of it. I'd like to hear outside perspective on it. This is see. This is how you. This is how you just really fix a lot of shit. Um. So we'll we'll just use the phone as the uh, communications device. Okay. All right. Uh. And hopefully it won't echo anymore. I don't know. Uh, whoops. Roast Uh. We next have up the. Uh, this this was a great article, <laughs> and it's entitled. Oh, hold on. Let me scroll up there. Uh. It's the 2019 <coughs> NFL free agency. Which teams lost the most talent? Now, this is the funny thing. Patriots, Chiefs, and Bucks are all on this list. Yeah. And this article is beyond half of Bleacher Report. And I had to say it was a really great read. And 
The Patriots are number six on this list. Obviously, one of their key losses was Gronk. Which didn't even mention the article. Well, that's because he retired. I bet. I get it, but they, they mentioned the coaches. There yes. were so many coaches, they didn't mention Gronk. Well, it says here, as we got a phone call through the show, uh, annual purge of talent from the coaching staff and the roster is a routine event. This happens all year. Yeah, it does. All year, every year, this always happens. And they lost, believe it or not, players to the Detroit Lions, which is their former defensive coordinator. They lost a few players to the Miami Dolphins. That somehow seemed to happen. They lost players to the Raiders, which I thought was kind of ironic. You lose players. That happens. It's not. But then again, it's Bill Belichick. And if you're not looking to get the hometown discount or the hometown deal, uh, he'll gladly let you go and fail somewhere else and then somehow pick you back up later. Yeah, he's, a, he's crazy. So this next one just so happens to be Nick's team. And I know Nick has got a lot to say about this. <laughs> so, Nick, do you want to give us your uh, your rundown on the key losses of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Sure, no problem. Um, you know, basically, we lost. We definitely lost out on uh, on Quan. Quan is gone now. Um, let me sure I'm straight. Yeah. So, Quan is gone. Uh, he went to San Francisco. But, you know, the thing with Quan is, is on paper, it looks like a bad decision by Tampa Bay for him to go. But me personally, I thought it was a smart move for them not to give away $58 million to a guy that's coming off a full blown, a full torn ACL. So, uh, I thought that, uh, that that was a smart move. And then I thought another smart move. I just turned myself on again. I think another smart move by the bucks was they let, um, they let, uh, what's his name? Joe McCoy go. And I, to me, I felt like that was warranted. I didn't feel like Gerald McCoy was going to fit in the 3-4 defense. Um, not the way that Sue was doing last year with the Rams and not as big as Vea is. Plus, there was just a lot. There was just, just When Jason Pierre-Paul called out both Gerald McCoy and Quan Alexander after a loss last year, when they were both dancing on the sidelines and JPP came out and said that there are guys that's on this team that care more about dancing than they do about football. Notice the two guys that were missing now or that, that, that now are gone that he called out. Now, another thing too is, is that the Bucks really per se, the only big piece they lost offensively was Adam Humphreys. And that was a big loss. I think for Jameis, because Humphreys was really the security blanket for Tampa Bay, for Jameis, and even at times for Ryan Fitzpatrick, especially down the end of the year. But they did make some moves to kind of kind of uh, put a Band-Aid on what might looks like a big gash by bringing in Brashard Perryman, by drafting Scotty Miller. So we'll see how that works out, especially with the new schemes that Bruce Arians and Brian Leftwich are coming in. But those three names are big, but I feel Tampa Bay also put in some real big pieces to kind of fill that in by drafting Devin White, by signing in Dominican Sue, and then by getting the two wide receivers. Because from everything that I've seen so far and everything that I've learned or that I've been hearing, Scotty Miller has really been tearing it up. 
He's a big-time speed demon. He's got really good hands, has been tearing it up with Jameis in preseason. I saw a couple catches he made. He looks really good. So only time will tell as the season starts. Yeah, 100%. Um, I don't think Tempe really stepped that far back. I don't necessarily agree with this article in whole. Um, I Once again, like Rick said, I can't stand with this freaking echo in my ear. As Rick said about the Patriots, with um, you know the way um, Belichick always seems to get through things like this, and I don't think Tim Bay took a, like took a big step back. I don't agree with this article a lot, and where they're they're ranking people and where they're saying like, oh, they took these biggest losses. Maybe if you're just looking at free agency only, okay, fine. But as a team as a whole, I really don't think Tampa or the Patriots took that far of a step back. All right, well, the next one we have on here is my favorite one of my favorite teams. <laughs> uh, Our hometown team. The, the, the uh, so-called New York Giants, they did take a tremendous step back. Yeah. They did. Uh, they traded OBJ in the offseason. They lost some of their secondary. A lot of their players just decided... We're not dealing with this crap no more. And, I mean, players went everywhere. They're in a rebuilding phase, and well, know, if they team, were re- teams go through that. And, and listen, I, I'm going to go on record and say this, okay? Now, the Giants did go and make that bonehead move in the draft by trading Daniel Jones with the fifth pick, okay? Let us not jump on this pick. Okay, it's a quarterback. How many first round busts have there ever been in the Not NFL? Ryan Leaf is the prime example. So, Ryan Leaf, Achilles Smith, oh uh, Jamarcus Russell. I mean, we can sit here all day and talk about guys who have been first round busts uh, as quarterbacks. But Giant fans, please. Do not jump on Daniel Jones because the reports that I hear right now is he is lighting it up in training camp right now. He's making Eli look like a six-year-old. It's training camp. But still, that's got to be some issue right there. All right? We're not staying on the Giants very long. I'm sorry. I'm not a big Giant fan. Uh, Giant fans are very arrogant. We leave that alone. This, I think, is you, the Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers, on the other hand, they lost a lot. They lost pretty much three quarters of their offense. Yeah, they uh, lost Bell. They lost uh, Antonio Brown. They and they're going to take a step back with Roethlisberger because now he's getting older. Yes, he has Juju Smith, Schuster. I keep forgetting he's got four fucking <laughs> names. Uh, they still have a receiver there. Uh, James Conner took over Le'Veon Bell's spot last year. Uh, They drafted well, but they are going to take some time to rebuild themselves because they have a lot of youth. They still have not figured out how to replace Ryan Shazier, which, again, that's a huge piece that that you know he's not coming back. I'm going to say it right Uh, now. I don't think it's going to make the playoffs well, I believe they are on the list of the bubble teams, which oh, we're going to uh, okay. catch well, up. Let me, well, let me say this. Let me say this. I think they 
may have found that guy who uh, to replace Shazier with the drafting of Devin Bush. They traded up to get Devin Bush. Devin Bush is a really good linebacker that they got. Um, you know, with the I think they moved up three spots to the tenth pick to get him. But let me say this about Pittsburgh because on paper, missing Antonio Brown and missing Le'Veon Bell, yes, on paper that looks like three quarters of your offense. Addition by subtraction, though, is because now you got headache one and headache two out of there. Le'Veon Bell became, I understand a man wanted to get paid, and I don't blame him for wanting to get paid, but at the same time, sitting out the season, not wanting to, to, to play with the franchise tag, uh, that's diva number one. And then you got diva number two and Antonio Brown, who flipped out in the game because, God forbid, that Ben Roethlisberger didn't find him on an in route who was wide open and he threw an interception going to Juju Schuster-Smith. So, and then you're talking about the same Antonio Brown who caught a lot of heat when he had that Facebook Live after that one playoff win. So on paper, yes, it looks bad, but I want to see what the attitude of the locker room is now, now that you got uh, you know, the two divas out of there. Well, Bell wasn't there all last year. I mean, Which, he wasn't okay, in the- okay, true, he wasn't there last year, but you know that 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 situation was lingering in there. When is he going to come back? If he's going to come back, will Le'Veon play? You know, hopefully by week six he'll be back. If he doesn't get there by week six and he can't play then week eight, and then once week eight was done, it was like, well, damn, I guess he's not just going to come back and then add on to Antonio. So now all that lingering nonsense is now out of the way. So I'm, I'm like I said, I'm, I'm really interesting to see how the Steelers deal without the diva attitudes in the locker room. You're right. The locker room is going to be different, but the play on the field is going to be different because you lost two of the biggest talents in the NFL. True. Yes. But you lost to, two of the biggest talents. To see it from a different perspective at this point. All right. Now, this has been all over New York media for the, the last like three days because now Le'Veon Bell is a member of yep. the New York Jets. All right. Yep. He's now apparently a ton more healthier from taking the year off. Of course. Uh, he's in better shape. Uh, his movement looks a ton better. And you know what? I, I mean, I can understand it. Running backs, first off, are a dime a dozen. That's that, true. That, that's beyond any and they don't issues. Last long. All right. They don't last long and that's the other thing is shelf life of a running back. Now, in Bell's case, it's not just finding holes and go- running through the tackles and the offensive line, catches passes out of the backfield. So he's not only getting killed by defenders in the box, but he's also getting killed by defenders in the secondary by going for a swing pass or an out and in or whatever, like he gets beaten on so bad. So at this point takes the year off. Pittsburgh didn't want to pay him. Now he's got his money and he's in better shape. Unfortunately for the NFL, you don't give running backs that year off ability to get into a better frame of mind and shape because there's how much time in between the end of the Super Bowl to training camps and voluntary camps, etc. So it's kind of hard to try to set that whole thing up if you don't have the time. 
That's why he wanted to get paid. I don't blame the guy for wanting to get paid. You take a beating as a, as a fucking running back. A beating. Your career. But, I think, but I think it's Le'Veon wanted to get paid long term. You know what I'm saying? Because that franchise tag isn't cheap. I think if Le'Veon would have signed a franchise tag, it would have been, what, like $21, $22 million, is, which is twenty, which million. is flipping insane, this but he wanted more years on the contract, you know, and Pittsburgh wasn't trying to commit to a guy who, A, one year got suspended, and B, another year got hurt, and then, you know, again, the diva attitude, do you want to put $20 million a year to a guy who's about to be hitting, I don't know what, what is Le'Veon, 26, 27? So you know he's going to hit the perennial 30, which we all know is a bad age for running backs. Did Pittsburgh want to make that kind of investment in Le'Veon Bell? And it seemed they didn't want to. They were willing to go on a year-to-year basis, and Le'Veon wasn't feeling that. Listen, they could have given him all the years in the world. The football contracts aren't guaranteed. He could have given him all the years. It's the guaranteed money is what would made the difference. It's a guarantee money in the contract that would have made the difference. I can 100% right. guarantee that. Because year to year, it doesn't matter because football contracts aren't guaranteed. Right. They cut them and they still have to pay them. They don't have to pay them the guarantee money. Right. So, I mean... Uh, it, it's a really tough thing to really say anything about. But we move on because it's another team in their division. The Baltimore Ravens. Mm-hmm. Now, are perennially known for defense. This team, out of the six, now obviously, Tampa got rid of players for reasons. Okay, the Giants lost a lot of teams, free agency, etc. The Ravens on this list is is ranked at number two, but I will say they were the most destroy team out of the six. And the only reason why I say this is about 75% of their defense, their core defense was destroyed in this whole thing. Mm-hmm. It was a lot. Eric Weddle gone. They got rid of the Cro-Mag. I, 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 you know what? I hated him on the team, but Terrell Suggs was a fucking great defensive pass rush. True. Okay. Yes, he was. <clears throat> now, CJ Mosley, again, free agency, signed with the Jets. He's gone. So, secondary got killed from the loss of Weddle. Their pass rush. Yeah, their end rushers. Got killed. Gone. All right. Now, granted, yes, they did sign some players. Like Earl Thomas. But now Thomas is coming off of an injury out of Seattle. So you don't know exactly what he's going to be. Their offense, uh, potentially, they got rid of a few receivers. Plus the quarterback. Flacco's gone. Yes, they have the second year player there. But you've seen what happens when... Players run around with their hair on fire. Uh, perfect example. Um, Griffin. Oh, the third. Okay. That style didn't and, last. 
real long in Washington. It doesn't last. Hey, long. you know what? Hey, you know what though? Hold on. Let me stop you right there. Cause I know I've, I've ranted on this before, but screw Mike Shanahan, screw Jay Gruden and screw the Washington Redskins for what they did to RG three. RG three should not be in the position that he's in right now. Mike Shanahan never wanted uh, RG three to be on that team. And when RG three was flying high in Washington, and he was having knee issues in that playoff game when that field was shitty as hell. They still threw him out there, and he made a cut, and his leg almost separated from his body. RG3 should not be backing up Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. He should still be hauling passes out there in Washington and not Dwayne Haskins or Kirk Cousins or whoever else was taking those passes. That's bullshit. What happened to RG3 and screw Mike Shanahan. I hope his ass gets struck by lightning going out one day because I resent him for what he did to RG3. RG3 got an unfair shake. And then to make the shit worse, then let's make it worse. How about when he was in Washington and they took that ass whooping from Tampa Bay and he went out and called out everybody. Jay Gruden, his huff-ass offensive line, his his wide receivers, because no one was catching, no one was blocking, and no one was making adjustments. And Jay Gruden's fat ass got the boss to sit there and say, well, our quarterback should just be worried about uh, uh, throwing the football. How about your quarterback be worried about why the first 10 people in front of him aren't playing the same way they do for Kirk Cousins? That's BS. Total BS. So I feel bad for RG3. RG3's career didn't derail because of RG3. RG3's career derailed because he went to a team that outside of Dan Snyder didn't even want him in the locker room. And that's BS. I have to completely disagree with you on that, dude. Um, He's a football player. If you can't go out and play hurt, you don't play. It's it's plain and simple. The coach tells you, oh, go out and play. You say, listen, I can't play. You sit your ass the fuck down. You get paid millions of dollars. You don't get paid if you get I, paid. I, I, I stay on both sides of this, okay? Can I get my point across? Well, <laughs> I I mean, the situation was for that playoff game was go with your best players. 100%. Okay? So RG3 was their, quote-unquote, according to Jay Gruden, their best chance to win. The problem was is that the injury was severe enough he should have not been on the field. Not even been on there. I agree with that 100%. And that field was shitty. Injured, I can't play? Doesn't he have a say in that? Doesn't he have some personal responsibility in that? Listen, of course the coach says, I want to put my best player on the field. I think RG3 is my best player. But if RG3 says, yo, dude, I'm hurt. I can't play. You don't fucking play. Yeah, but you see, the problem is, is that RG3 was cleared to play. That's one problem. Two. How many times have guys be cleared to play and say, look, no, I'm too hard to play. I can't play. But the thing Come is, on. is that, again, he opened his mouth. Okay? Quote, unquote, like another quarterback in the NFL that I make fun of all the time. Although I know Nicholas got mad at me for doing <laughs> it. But there's reasons for saying it. Okay? When you put yourself in that perspective where... You're going to turn around and call everybody out. And then at the last second, you bitch. You know, it's, it, it, it's again, the black eye. You understand what I'm saying? Like, you, you got to put up and shut up whether you're, you're, you're hurt or not. 
And I know guys play it hard in the NFL. They all do. They all do. Again, at that point, like he made his he made his decision, and that was the end of it. Like that's what he wanted to do. He got hurt. It's fucking football. That's happened. It happens to everybody. Fucking Eric Berry was in a non-contact fucking play, was stepping backwards and blew out his Achilles. Shit happens. Okay, but I okay, okay. Here's the thing though. I understand that. But if you would have known the severity of the knee injury, add that on, because this is where everyone keeps forgetting. Go back and watch that game. That FedEx field was disgusting. If you have an injured quarterback with a knee injury coming out to play on a shitty field, why would you bring him out there when Kirk Cousins is clearly ready to play? I understand the whole, well, it's your best player. Protect your investment. You have to protect your investment because RG3 is the second overall pick. This is supposed to be your franchise guy. Kirk Cousins was a fourth-round pick who was supposed to be the security blanket. So bring in your security blanket in order for your franchise guy to get healthy. You don't bring a guy who has a 40% knee on a field where offensive linemen, it's muddy as hell, it's raining, the man can barely run, and he went out there and damn near tore his leg to a point where RG3 career almost ended. That's nonsense. You cannot co how you can co-sign with that. How can you co-sign with that? Let me ask you something, Nick. When your knee's hurting, do you know how bad it is? Of course, because it's my knee. Do I know how bad it is? My knee? No, do I you're not gonna know how my knee is. Exactly. But at the same time, but but here's what I'm saying. 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 It's not like Mike Shanahan has never played football before. It's not like uh, RG3 wasn't in a knee brace. The man was in a legit knee brace to keep his leg together. He never should have played. Never. Even if RG3 said, all right, man, look, I'm ready to play. Mike Shanahan should have grew a pair of balls and should have been like, you know what, bro? You're our franchise quarterback. I can't risk you getting hurt. You're going to have to sit this one out. Be a man and tell the man he can't freaking play. Not say, well, I don't like your dumb ass anyway. So I'm just going to let you go out there and boom, damn near tore his leg. Come on, man. That's crazy. You really think if he was like that, where Mike Shanahan's like, oh, fuck this guy, put him on the field? You really yeah. believe that? You want to know why? Because Mike Shanahan never wanted RG3 in the first place. He told Dan Snyder, stay at 10, let's draft Ryan Tannehill. That's who he wanted. He didn't want RG3. That is fact. Go research that. Mike Shanahan on paper said he wanted Ryan Tannehill. He did not want Dan Snyder. Why do you think Dan Snyder caught so much praise for not training up to get Dwayne Haskins? Because he's known for training up to get quarterbacks like he did RG3. Period. Do you think Mike Shanahan said, you know what? I'm going to fuck my team's quarterback. Do you really believe that? Just because you want Mike you really say, you know what, let me fuck this guy, put him on the field with a bum knee, and let's see him get hurt. Come on, man. Well, I'm, well, I'm sorry, bro. I'm sorry, but once again, grow a pair of balls. If you know your guy's not 100% on a shitty field, tell him that he has to sit down. That's true. I can't play on this? My knee's shot. I can't play on this fucking field. As much as I'd love to continue this. 
We still have the rest of the show to go. Yeah, I'm sorry. We no, got that was good. That was good. Have, okay, it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do have to put on the Mills Lane shirt and uh, kind of step in just a little bit. All right. So the number one team on this list, yeah, just so happens to be the Kansas City Chiefs. We lost everybody. I. <laughs> uh, Stemming from the beginning of losing Kareem Hunt <coughs> in the middle of last year. Uh, D Ford, Justin, Justin Houston, Houston, some Tom of the names. Ali, uh, uh, Eric Berry. Eric Berry, by the way, who also has not signed with an NFL team yet. I know. I think he's already he is still a free agent. All right. Uh, but they replaced him in the draft. But they also did name. lose their starting center. Uh, Chris Connolly, their their third receiver. Uh, Steven Nelson is the starting cornerback. Yeah, we lost everybody. Uh, although they did try to replace uh, their running situation with Carlos Hyde and the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew. Um, there's still a lot of disruption but we on do, that team. Yes, there is. There's tons of disruption. We lost a lot of solid guys who've been there for years. But in the same token, we drafted well. We, we've got some young speed and talent coming in. It's going to depend on how well they turn into NFL players. If they can keep up with the speed of the NFL, then it's going to hurt a lot. But I, I forgot the name of the safety they drafted to, to replace Eric Barrett. But um, the kid's extremely talented, and he can step up instead of playing back. He's got a lot. I, can't, I wish I could remember the kid's name off the top of my head. Now I can't. But... Um, yeah, it's we've got a lot of we've replaced it with a lot of speed on the defense. Um, I think we took a step back in talent for sure. Um, it's it's going to be a touch and go season this year defensively. Um, like me and you were discussing the other day, we think we're going to have the, they're going to have a lot of shootouts this year. But um, yeah, it's just, what hurt me was losing Houston. That that's what I think hurt me the most. I think he's still got a couple of prime years left. And to lose a guy like that on defense, where he's 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 definitely a pace setter for their defense. You know, he, he him. I mean, Eric Berry was the heart of their defense for quite a while, but three games in two years, he's got to go. I mean, I love the guy to death. You know, I was a big proponent of Berry Strong. I remember when he was come back Player of the Year. But uh, yeah, he he unfortunately had to go. Three games in two years just doesn't cut it, cut the mustard for the money. So it's like, ah. Uh, I just don't. I don't know if the teams, if the, the Chiefs really took the biggest hit out of all the teams. It just hurts me more, I guess, than any other. <laughs> all right, Nick. Uh, I know you talked about it on uh, Mac and Black on Saturday. Uh, give me your uh, fill in on what the uh, surmising was for your opinion on the Chiefs. I, I personally kind of still had the Chiefs winning the AFC West. Uh, the AFC West, for me, I feel is going to be the toughest division because I think all four teams have potential to be good um, with the Chiefs. With them bringing back Tyreek Hill, I'm with you on the fact that I think that uh, that the Chiefs are going to be in shootouts. You know, we saw the question I have with Kansas City is how is Patrick Mahomes going to be in his second year now that they all got tape on him? See, last year you ain't have tape. So you, so Patrick Mahomes went out there and took advantage and, I, you know, won MVP, and they went to all the way to overtime in the uh, AFC title game. Now the question becomes, 
Uh, how does he play under pressure with now that everyone's got a year of tape? You know, does he make the same throws? You know, does he make the same runs? Do teams make adjustments? But I still think that Andy Reid is such a good coach, and I know they took a big dip defensively that um, they're still going to be okay. You know, I had him winning maybe like anywhere from 10 to 12 games next year. But again, you know, with the Chargers still being out there and they can take over, I really like the mo- some of the moves Denver made by bringing in Joe Flacco, by bringing in Vic Vangio to work with that defense. Because we already saw what he did with the Bears with 3-4. Now I'm interested to see what he's going to do with Bradley Chubb and Von Miller in that 3-4. Uh, the West is going to be tough, but Kansas City is still the cream of the crop of that division. But like you guys said, they took a big dip having no D Ford, having no uh, uh, Justin Houston, no Eric Berry, you know, but it's a well-coached team. So we'll see what they do this year. Yeah, my prediction is 12 and 4 for them this year. I really think they could even win the AFC. So right off the bat, I mean, the show, first of all, I'm fucking off the rails. <laughs> um, it just so happens to know that three out of the four arch rivals teams are on that list. I mean, it gave six. Yep. They had the Patriots down at the bottom, which is kind of weird because the Patriots and themselves lost a lot. They did. They didn't lose secondary. They lost front seven. They did lose receivers. and It never mattered with receivers. Whoever Brady has around him, he throws to. But again, there's a lot of swirling around because they did pick up Demarius Thomas. Yes. Josh Gordon is still waiting in the wings to find out whether he's going to be cleared to come back and play again. Take it off the exemption list. Uh, They did draft Nikhil Harry. I'm very happy with that. I think one of the sleepers that they did get in the draft was Damon Harris, the running back Alabama. He's going to be a bash in the backfield because, you know, I have Sony Michelle back there, James White back there. Uh, the only one I really don't feel bad for is Rex, Be- Rex Burkhead because, uh, you know, he fucked up Brady's hand there in the playoff. But that's besides the point. <laughs> um, but the Patriots, they do this every year. Uh, the Chiefs could do it the same way. They draft well. They do scout free agency real well. Tampa got that whole redo with the coaching staff. So yes. Uh, brand new there. I like I like the pick of a pyramid on the office. I think that's going to be a good side piece for Evans. But, and let me say this, too. Let me say that. I don't mean to interrupt. Let me say two things real quick. A, that loss to Trent Brown, I think it's going to really hurt uh, – Tom Brady, because if you remember that AFC title game, who had the whitest jersey on the entire offense? It was Tom Brady. Why? Because no one was getting past Trent Brown. I thought that was a huge loss. That's a guy that I wanted Tampa to really get. And then with Tampa Bay, watch out for Ronald Jones the second. That's the guy, especially if you're talking fantasy and whatnot, that's a guy I'm really high on. Uh, Struggled last year, couldn't understand the playbook. Bruce Arians gets a hold of him this year. He put on 17 pounds of muscle. So he left uh, last year. He was 207. 
This year, he's 5'11", 224. I've seen tape of him running. This man has insane explosiveness. Watch out for Rojo. So this year, we're starting a brand new format when we go to do oh. the picks for the games. Okay? Now, I have consulted with my three other co-hosts on the show, and we've all agreed that this new format is going to be a test. So the format is, is last year we did do the picks with the point spreads, the under-overs, and then we had personal picks where we just put the personal picks out. We gave you the, the info on that line and the under-over or whatever. This year, it will be two picks per game, one with the spread, and one without the spread. So we get to test the ability of not only it's the football, starting lineup. It's football knowledge versus betting knowledge. Exactly. So when we start the first thing of picks, now we're not doing pre-season, preseason picks. No. Uh, because <laughs> I, I don't know why anybody would want to pick a preseason game anyway. But this Thursday is the Hall of Fame game. Woo-hoo. I uh, It's Denver and Atlanta. Two teams that technically this year are on the bubble. They are the bubble teams. Okay? So it will be interesting to see after the first quarter what really the foundation is laid in on both teams. Um, and I'll, during Pipe Bomb on Thursday, I will be watching the game. <laughs> I will be watching nice. it uh, just to get a few notes to see like how everything really plays out with this. Pretty much, again, the Hall of Fame game means nothing. None You're celebrating everybody that's going into the Hall of Fame. That's basically it. But, again, the new format, uh, we do encourage all of the viewers and listeners uh, to join us on Tuesday nights when we go over the Thursday pick. Game. And Friday, night. Friday nights, we will have our picks for Sunday until like week 15 when then it's like Saturday and and Sunday and Monday. But that's going to be one of the new challenges that we do add on here for the show. And we are going to be doing a monthly giveaway. So September, there'll be a giveaway, October, November, December. Now, are we doing now? Are we going to do the best overall overall record? Like with, with the spread, without the spread, have we decided how we're doing that yet? Uh, exactly. I, I think a, we. I think what we were going to do was, and I think I spoke to Nick about this, is that we were going to alternate it. That the first month will be the general overall pick, not with the spread, and then the challenge will be October with the spread. Now, unfortunately, the cast of the show are unable to perform in this that's not thing <laughs> it will be the viewers that's un- the unfortunate thing and i know we all could fucking spoil each other with some type of hat or shirt or whatever for the winner but i think we all on the cast had a very good winning record last year with well the last year um unfortunately nick was not a part of it but uh 
yours truly did finish 83 games over 500 last year. Sweet Jesus. And I legitimately went through all the numbers, even with the spreads, I covered. Do you know how I, do you remember how I did that? I believe you were 41 games over 500 because you came in in the middle. And uh, we did have uh, Mr. Dev- Derek Evan Relaford do it last year. Uh, he was about 17 games over 500. Alex was 23 games over 500. Uh, but I kind of had influence on Alex because Alex and Derek had a side bet. <laughs> so that was the end of that. Um, the one thing I do want to leave everybody out with, um, preseason, I'll, I'll start with Nick first. What truly are you looking at in the makeup of your team to lead into the regular season? As far as Tampa is concerned, um, what I'm looking for is how they're going to respond to the new coaching staff. You know, this is something new. The Bucks have never run to three, four before. So it's going to be something new. Uh, like I said before, with, uh, with camp going on, uh, I'm seeing some really good things. Uh, a few players to keep their eyes on. Clearly, number one is number three. Uh, Jameis has looked good in sometimes in camp and has gone back to sometimes his interception ways. But I want him to do the interception things so that Bruce Arians can work on that. So that's one thing. Uh, number two is defensively Noah Spence. Noah Spence, uh, 4-3, turning into a 3-4 linebacker. I've seen him get a couple of sacks in, um, in uh, the preseason. So, I'm sorry, during camps. So that's another guy I'm keeping my eye on. So with Tampa, I'm just looking for them to respond to uh, Bruce Arians, to respond to Todd Bowles, the office responding to Byron Leftwich, if we can get this all together. The Bucks got good pieces. I mentioned earlier Ronald Jones. The Bucks got good pieces. Hopefully, this is the coaching staff that can finally put it all together. Now, I'll swing it over to Todd. What are you looking at? A um, couple things for the Chiefs. I'm looking for the defense to, to get a gel, to know where they're going to each going to be on the field so they can really tighten it up this year. Um, also looking for the offensive line to put it together this year to really see if they can get a running game going without you know a superstar like Kareem Hunt and actually get 100, 100, 150 yards a game. As he's hell? tearing up the fucking... <laughs> Something room. Yeah, it was the fucking butt thing on the other side. Yeah, um, I want to see them be able to get, get their running game going, but it's the offensive line because I don't want to see Patrick Mahomes having to scramble outside the pocket every time, and that worries me. They have all the they have all the weapons that they can be an explosive offense again this year, but I, I worry without having a solid solid running game that they might have to rely on it too much, which is going to force more interceptions. I feel I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about this year, but yeah, it's their defense is what really most I'm looking for them to gel with, um, and all the young players they're bringing in and see how they really take to, to the coaching and the playing in the NFL. Well, I got to say on, well, I'll say for pretty much both teams, and I'll jump on the spot for the Pats and the Raiders at the same time. Okay. Yes, there were a lot of pieces added in, and there were a lot of pieces that were negated. The problem I have to see fixed is... A, can Gruden in his 
genius-like brain with adding in all of these brand new pieces, the not only via free agency and trading and drafting, but can he create a winning culture there? No, because they're going to be playing in the same division as the Chiefs. But what I'm saying <laughs> is overall, I mean, I, if they have a chance to win 14 games with two losses to the Chiefs, I'm going on record by saying that. Uh, if they could somehow get some type of a collaboration together to get all of these, um, I, God damn it, the fucking word escapes me, characters in place, can they really do that in Oakland? That's going to be the major concern because there's so many prima donnas there. All right? That's that's that part. For the, for the Patriots-wise, again, there were a lot of key losses on that defense in the front seven. Uh, they lost, again, obviously their left tackle. They lost a receiver. Gronk retired, quote-unquote, because uh, the story's still not out on that one yet, that he might not make a fucking comeback. I think it's a load of garbage. Um, you never know. You never know. Too many injuries. He's not, he's not gonna but he's also lost 25 pounds. I don't care what he's lost. So he's, he's in better back. physical condition. But besides that, though, I know Belichick schemes a lot with a lot of things that he does. Uh, his drafting this year, again, I thought a little bit methodical in some fashions. But the one position I'm actually not worried about is tight end this year. I'm worried, believe it or not, about an overloaded backfield, a receiving core. That's overloaded right now. And the defense is going to gel. Um, they did have some good additions Again, via trade and via draft, which when it comes to defense, Belichick has been on that. So again, it's just creating cultures in both spots to have them believe in the system. If they can both fill the system, this is I'm, I'm putting this line out right now. Episode one, season two <laughs> at 10.34 p.m. <laughs> Eastern Standard, the AFC is going to be a complete gauntlet to get through. Oh, 100%. A complete gauntlet. You're going to have your powerhouses, K, uh, KC, New England, Pittsburgh. No, uh, I don't think Pittsburgh is a top. Again, but they're, they're considered it as of right now. As of right now. Leading out of last year, you're going to have your powerhouse teams. Oh. Go ahead, Nick. I lost his audio. Yeah. He's on mute. I'm like, I see. Cleveland, Indianapolis, Houston, Jacksonville, New England, uh, Kansas City, Los Angeles is a powerhouse. So you're right. It's it's gonna be a gauntlet. It's gonna be tough. There's 100%. gonna be an ultimate goal in the AFC. And now I know we're gonna cover um NFC next week, uh, because it just so happens, you know, three out of the four teams are in the AFC. Um, and I will have Nick go into depth on some of the teams in the NFC for next week to get a little bit more feel for that side of the world. <laughs> um, but that's all we really have for tonight. Um, we're yeah. kind of restricted to an hour time limit. We're a yeah, little bit me, over. And me and Nick got into it a little but bit. But you know what? That's what <laughs> our rivals is all about. There's got to be an argument somewhere. <laughs> I yes, argue uh, with Alex every day. Uh, <laughs> So, on behalf of Nick and behalf of Todd, 
I'm the fucking Patriots asshole. <laughs> we will catch you guys all next week. Peace. Deuce.